It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, September 21st, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Candidates for assembly met in an election forum Thursday on KCAW. Eight people are running for two open seats on the Sitka Assembly this year. The seats are being vacated by Stephen Eisenbeis, who's running for the mayor's chair, and Richard Wien, who is not seeking re-election. The eight candidates answered listeners' questions, ranging from how to balance the city's budget in the wake of COVID to the Assembly's role in addressing public health and systemic racism. I want life for Sitka. I've watched the, what's happened this past year and the, the job um, loss and the economic loss and um, just so saddened by it. You know, in order for Sitka to really come back from this, um, we have a lot of potential with the resources that we have. We have a current assembly and I, I respect the fact that they're willing to serve. This is a hard job but I I don't see myself reflected in the current membership. And so I want to offer a diversity of perspective. My main uh, reason for running is a number of different things, but the top one is treatment. We need to start getting some more, I think more conservative ideas here in this town. And uh, we need to get a, a good handle on a budget. I'm running because of government, not politics. And You know, that's why I met with the city administrator, because the assembly works with the administrator. I think at the assembly table right now, we're going to need a really steady hand. And uh, we're going to need people who are willing to work hard. And I am. People with experience, which I have. As you know, I ran for assembly last year, but I lost. And I'm trying again because I never give up. Those were candidates Amy Bethune, Diana Dapsovich, Crystal Duncan, Leo Jimmy, Marshall Albertson, Frederick Olson Jr., Rebecca Hemshoot, and Steve Lee. You can find a link to a video of the entire Assembly Candidate Forum on the KCAW Election Hub at kcaw.org, along with the link to Tuesday night's Mayor's Forum and Wednesday night's School Board Forum. The Hub also has photos, bios, and position statements of all candidates running for office in Sitka, along with information on where and how to vote in the October 6th municipal election. Sitka reported another positive case of the coronavirus Friday. The patient is a male resident in his 40s who was tested on Wednesday. He had no symptoms at the time of testing. The patient is the 43rd Sitka resident to test positive for the virus. There are 17 non-resident cases in the community, putting Sitka's total now at 60. Only two cases in Sitka are considered active. The risk levels for the city, the school district, and Mount Edgecombe High School all remain low. The total case count for Alaska now stands at 7,587. A total of 45 Alaskans have died from the disease. Enrollment is down at the University of Alaska Southeast, but not as much as university officials were expecting. We've landed at 5% down, so we are down compared to last year, but not as much as we anticipated. That's Lori Klein, Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs. She said the university had been expecting a 10% drop. Between the university's Juneau, Ketchikan, and Sitka campuses, there are just over 2,000 students enrolled. Because there are more students on campus than university officials had planned for, faculty and staff had to adapt. As those um, enrollments bumped up, we had to go in and make physical adjustments to the classrooms. Klein says students are following the university's pandemic precautions. They are required to wear masks inside, but students are also masking up outside. In fact, my understanding is that they're policing each other and making sure that people are are appropriately being distanced, um, particularly when on campus. 
Now that it's a quarter of the way through the semester, Klein says for the most part, the university is continuing to provide services such as advising and counseling remotely. Students can still request in-person appointments if needed. Alaskans living in the tiny village of Hyder are chafing against Canada's border rules that restrict travel to much of the outside world. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, the COVID-19 quarantine rules are preventing the community's children from seeing their friends or attending school in British Columbia, just a few miles down the road. At the southeastern tip of Alaska's panhandle lies the curious town of Hyder. The unincorporated community is on BC time, has a 250 area code, gets its electricity from BC Hydro, and is linked to Canada's highway system. But for all that, it is Alaska territory. There's about 65 of us. The only way we get supplies is through a mail plane that comes in from Ketchikan twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, weather permitting. Wes Lowe is the Hyder Community Association's president. He acts as an unofficial mayor. Most residents buy groceries and fuel and other supplies in Stewart, B.C., which is just over the border. For more than a century, that was a mere formality, as Canadian border guards would often wave people through. But then came COVID-19. Since March, we can only go to Stewart once every seven days for three hours to get whatever we need. About 400 people live in Stewart, B.C., and they largely consider Hyder's Alaskans a part of their community. A cross-border committee has been working to ease travel restrictions. So the name of our committee is the Hyder Alaska and Stewart, B.C. COVID-19 Action Committee. Jennifer Jean is Hyder's co-chair on that committee. The group has written letters to Canadian officials asking to relax the rules because of Hyder's unique situation. We have no amenities in Hyder. We have no gas stations, no grocery stores, um, no medical facilities. There's no school either. Enrollment dropped below 10 students this year, leading the Southeast Island School District to shutter Hyder's one-building schoolhouse. But there was a workaround. Hyder's five school kids would be enrolled in Bear Valley School in Stewart. It, it's a little bit tough because, like, there's only five school-age kids, and uh, their friends are just, you know, just right across that border. Um, Two of them are Nick Corpola's daughters. So we were kind of promising them, you know, they didn't get to see them all summer, uh, and but. We promised them that, you know, they were going to get to go to school and see their friends then. And uh, two days before school started, we got a call from the CBSA, the Canadian Customs, and they said that uh, they were not going to allow the children through the border. Karpola says his girls haven't left Hyder since March, except for one five-hour visit to Ketchikan. So they've been looking forward to a change of scenery. I was kind of sad. I was like, oh, great, one more thing to not be able to do. Hilma Corpola is 10 years old and starting the fifth grade. Now her mother is preparing homeschool with her younger eight-year-old sister, but she says it's not the same. I like hanging out with my friends. Um, it's like just being kind of not alone because Hyder gets a bit lonely. Jennifer Jean also has two school-aged children. It's really, really hard on them. They, that was the light at the end of the tunnel for them, was to be able to see their friends again, have a little bit of normalcy in their lives. The committee has redoubled its efforts to reopen the border. They were at desks at the border the morning that school should have started. Um, and our Stuart friends and family um, came <laughs> to their support the following day to the border and had a very small rally to support 
the children of Hyder. BC's provincial officials are sympathetic. Here's Dr. Bonnie Henry, the top official leading the province's pandemic response. She told reporters in August she thinks it'd be reasonable to loosen border restrictions for Alaskans living in Hyder. I mean, I think it, it sounds like a reasonable plan. My only concern, of course, is that we've started to see uh, dramatic increases in cases in the last month in Alaska, and I know that that's been a challenge for my counterpart, who I talk to regularly from Alaska. It's important to add context here. U.S. and Canada COVID-19 numbers are starkly different. Canada has had almost 9,200 reported deaths. Compare that to the U.S. nearing the 200,000 mark. B.C. has about 1,000 more COVID cases than Alaska, but the province has more than seven times Alaska's population. There have been no reported cases of COVID-19 in either town, but with no medical clinic in Hyder, there hasn't been any testing either. The larger border situation remains very worrisome for many Canadians, and there's strong support for keeping the Canada-U.S. border closed as long as we need to given the, the stark difference in the situation on either side of the border. Taylor Backrack is a Canadian member of Parliament representing Northwest BC, including Stewart. He's thrown his weight behind his constituents who want the border open to their neighbours in Hyder. I spoke with Bill Blair, the Public Safety Minister for Canada, uh, on the phone and communicated to him the, the urgency of the situation. That was in August. Since then, Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy and provincial officials in B.C. have also asked the federal government in Ottawa for leniency. You know, at this point, it feels like there's pretty strong support for some sort of solution. So I'm curious why it's taking so long to put something in place. So far, it's not to be. In a statement to Coast Alaska on Thursday, a spokesperson for Public Safety Minister Bill Blair says as of August 7th, school kids living in the U.S. are prohibited from attending school in Canada, as they are subject to a mandatory 14-day quarantine. Residents in Hyder and Stewart haven't given up. They're advocating for what they're calling the bear bubble that would create a shared space for residents in both communities and exempt them from the quarantine rules. We're doing everything we can to kind of create our bubble community and and relax the feeling around. That's Wes Lowe, Hyder's mayor again. Winter is coming, and people are getting worried about the impending darkness, deep snow, and isolation that the border restrictions make much worse. You can see uh, the depression, the anxiety, especially the anxiety that's building up in people. And you see things that are taking place that normally don't take place. In the meantime, the Joint Committee continues to meet, and there are more rallies at the border plan to show cross-boundary support. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.